thanks you for your giving this morning. Amen. Let's be theologically correct. The wise men were actually about one to two years away. The Bible says they came into the house. So is that about two? <laughs> All right. <laughs> we just want to be theologically correct here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning, Pastor Lisa is going to come, and uh, she's going to minister the word. And are you going to come, or are they going to sing? Oh, okay. They can go. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know that Pastor Lisa has worked hard preparing the message and preparing her heart. And I just want to say that many times when we're praying in our prayer time together, I hear her calling out many of your names in prayer. And uh, sometimes I wonder how she knows all these needs, but just through communication, text, fellowship. But she does pray. She does pray for you. And uh, I'm so appreciative of her and her heart for people and for ministry. So I know she's prepared the word of God. Would you open up your heart? Would you open up your spirit to receive the word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, dear. <clears throat> there was a little boy who approached Santa in a department store with a long list of requests. He wanted a cowboy suit, a set of trains, a baseball glove, and roller skates. That's a pretty long list, Santa said sternly. I'll have to check in my book to see if you were a good boy. No, 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 the youngster said quickly. Never mind checking, I'll just take the roller skates. Then there was a small boy who was writing a letter to God about the Christmas presents he badly wanted. I've been good for six months now, he wrote. But after a moment's reflection, he crossed out six months and wrote three months. After a pause, that was crossed out and he put two weeks. There was another pause and that was crossed out too. He got up from the table where he was writing his letter and went over to the nativity scene that had the figures of Mary and Joseph, and no wise men, by the way. He picked up the figure of Mary, he wrapped it gently in a cloth, and he put it in a drawer in his room. He then went back to his writing and started again. Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. Oh, that's good. Good to laugh. It's good to laugh. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to be in God's house, worshiping together. And um, sometimes I get hoarse just from worshiping the Lord. But the Bible says if you don't want the rocks to cry out, then that's what we need to be doing. I'd love to just thank the worship team for their work because they put a lot of time and effort into these worship services. So thank you. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 9-6 this morning, and we're calling this message, What's in a Name? In our text, Isaiah is addressing a people at war. Judah's wicked king, the idolatrous Ahaz, was on the throne. When trouble came in the form of an agreement between Samaria and Syria against Judah, the people and the king were very afraid. 
Ahaz did not deserve this goodness from God, neither did the others in Judah who had purposely departed from the Lord. But God doesn't deal with his people as we deserve. God doesn't deal with his people as we deserve. Israel's only hope was the coming Messiah. And in reading this text and really reflecting on this text the last few weeks, you just come to realize what was spoken in the Bible is for us today. It is for us today. God is offering that same hope to us today. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Pastor Maureen and, and, and her team, Joanne and the others, spent three days reaching out in our community telling them about Jesus. You know, we, we do outreach. We don't just give them something to eat. We tell them about Jesus. The world needs Jesus. There's so much hatred. It's still at war today as it was back when Isaiah prophesied this. There's so much hatred and pain and anguish, brokenness, sin, anger, hopelessness, despair. But because of Christ, we have hope. And we need to be sharing that hope with the world. So Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen. Some translations of the scripture have wonderful and counselor separate, separated by a comma, and some have it together. And I've chosen to keep it together because what I see is the name is the name of Jesus with an adjective before it. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, Christmas is here, shopping, cooking, lists. I am all part of that too. What I want to have prepared for my family for holiday dinners. We're always trying to maybe find something new and in our planning. But as Christians, even though that's all a big part of it, the bigger part should be celebrating Jesus. And my prayer that by the end of this message today, we would have a different sense in our hearts and spirits and souls about who Jesus was prophesied to be. Not just coming as a baby in a manger. He's not in a manger anymore. He's in our hearts. He's alive. He's living. And he has so much to offer us. And so we want to look at these names and see what we can take out of these names personally for us. I want you to leave different. I want those that are watching live stream to be different when this message is over. Some people celebrate Christmas and they have no idea what they're even celebrating. And to me, that makes my heart sad. We want people to know. So let's look at the names that Jesus was given. What's in a name? Some name their children, just names that they like, and there's no particular reason that they named them that child, they just like the name. My name, Lisa, is derived from Elizabeth, which if you're here today, I don't know if you know this, but Elizabeth means consecrated to God. Amen. And my mother prayed for me from day one that I was going to be consecrated to God. I went on, out on my own too many times to count, but my, I had a praying mother. Amen. By the way, if you have a praying mother and you're in this room and you're just here but you're not really following God, give it up now. 
Because when a mother prays, things happen. And we are praying. I know the needs of many of you moms that you've let me know of, and we're praying together. My mother prayed that I would be consecrated to God, and I was. My little grandchildren, my, daughter, my uh, granddaughter's name is Kaya. They chose that name. It means little but wise. And we pray as her grandparents that she will be full of the wisdom of the Lord as she grows. My grandson Ezra means God's helper. And when we pray for our grandson, we pray, Lord, make him into a man that becomes God's helper. There are meanings in names. Some people name their children specific names. In the Bible, specific names were always given with meanings. Eve means the mother of all living. Abraham means the father of a multitude or father of nations. The name of a person often told something about the character of the person or something about their nature. We also find in the Bible people's names being changed. In the Old Testament, God changed Jacob's name to Isaac, which meant let God prevail. Israel, sorry. Thank you. I heard a lot of corrections there. You're paying attention. Good job. I did that on purpose to see if you were listening. Isaiah emphasizing hope to Israel. That's what we want to talk about today, hope. There is hope. Letting them know that God was aware of their plight. He was sending help. In the New Testament, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter, meaning rock. Wonderful counselor. Let's look at this title. The first descriptive name we see is wonderful counselor. The word wonderful right here means incomprehensible. Now, we use the word wonderful all the time. I like that word wonderful. I actually use it a lot myself. But it in no way even comes close to the description and the meaning of the word wonderful when it's described to wonderful counselor being Jesus Christ. It means that the counsel that Jesus has for us is so incomprehensible that no one can give it, only God himself. Wonderful counselor. The Messiah would cause us to be full of wonder, full of the wonder of his counsel that only he can give. The second part of the Messiah's title here is the word counselor. Now, I know in the day that we live in, <clears throat> some people are constantly looking for counsel anywhere and everywhere, posting on social media, looking for recommendations. Who's been here and liked it? I'm going here, I need a good restaurant. We're always looking for recommendations, always looking for counsel, calling this person, calling that person. Us as pastors, we have people that come for counseling often, and that's why we're here, and that's why we need to get the wisdom from the wonderful counselor to give to the people that come to us. But I wanna tell you that sometimes you need to go directly to the source yourself because we need to learn how to get to Jesus ourselves. I love the story in the Bible, the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't call anybody to come get her. She got on her knees and hands and knees and she made her way through a crowd trying not to be noticed because she had to get to Jesus. She knew she had to get there herself. We need to learn how to get to Jesus ourselves. Now, I'm not saying stop calling for counsel. 
to wise people, to pastors, to leaders. I'm not, that is not what I'm saying. I am saying there are times when you've got to get to Jesus yourself. And we have to learn how to do that. In ancient, ancient Israel, a counselor was portrayed as a wise king, such as Solomon, giving guidance to his people. Isaiah uses it again in chapter 28, verse 29, to describe the Lord. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He says, he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Jesus is a wise and wonderful counselor. He is able to advise us thoroughly, thoroughly. What you need, you will find in Jesus if you press into him and stay with it. Don't give up so quickly. We give up so quickly for so many things. We, we ran to a, a store yesterday to pick up a couple of food items and we walked in and the line was so long, we walked out. We gave up, we walked out. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus isn't standing somewhere in heaven with a long line of people so that when you come into his throne room, you say, oh, this line's too long. I'm out of here. I love that our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus who is interceding on our behalf is always available to answer us, always available to hear us and to listen to what our prayers are. He's not too busy. There was a song we used to sing, he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. Sometimes we say, well, somebody else's need is greater than mine, and that might be so, but he still wants to hear what your need is, and he's always, always waiting. He is qualified in ways that no human counselor is. I believe in counseling. I believe in professional counseling. I prefer Christian counseling when Christians need counseling. I think that's more how God is going to be able to speak to you when you have times of prayer with that Christian counselor. So I believe in that. But God, Jesus himself, is qualified in ways that no counselor is. Colossians 2, 3 says, In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, including the knowledge of all human nature. Psalm 139 tells us, Jesus always knows what we are going through. He already knows. Tell him about it because he wants to let us know the right course of action. <clears throat> Hebrews 4.15 tells us we can go boldly to the throne of grace. I love when we sing songs that we are able to speak what God thinks of us. We are able to, I am a friend of God. When we speak and declare and worship God for who he is and thank him for who we are through him, we can go boldly into the throne of grace. Christ's position as our wonderful counselor means we can trust him to listen to our problems and guide us. Amen. Submit everything to the Lord, everything, Amen. everything. My husband and I pray about everything. No matter how great, no matter how small, whatever it is, we make a habit of praying about everything. We pray about travel, we pray about ministry, we pray about meetings, we pray about purchases, we pray for wisdom, we pray for protection, we pray for answers, family, timing, of having a conversation, whatever we need, we pray about. Because then, when the answer comes, 
Even if it's not the answer we would have preferred or the way or the timing, we still know God is in control. I see so many Christians that spin their wheels about life and decisions and moves and things that are bothering them and burdening them and they don't take it to God. They're just in a tizzy all the time. We've got to take it to the wonderful counselor. Then we trust. We've, I've seen this thing that says, give it to God and go to sleep. I understand people have trouble sleeping. I get it. But really, it's as simple as that. Come on, give it to God and go to sleep. Give it to God in the morning. Give it to God in the noontime. Give it to God at night. Just keep giving it over and over and over and over and over again. Give it to God. He has our best interests at heart because he tells us in 1 John 4, 19 that he loved us enough to send his son. He loved I was just thinking of this when we were worshiping this morning, and it just made me begin to weep. Lord, you go after the one. You go after the one. And then I, this thought occurred to me, if I was the only one created on this planet and I went astray, he would have done it for me. He's done it for you. Sometimes you've got to stop and say, you did it for me. Me. You go. He goes after the one. Who are you praying for? He goes after the one with his arms open right. He runs toward the prodigal. He is waiting for those that are away to come back. He doesn't stand there with his hands on his hips. I don't know. There's a few things we need to discuss before you come back like everything's just fine. He does not stiff arm us. He, he does this. Arms open wide, waiting. Counselors do this. They give us wisdom. They give us advice. They're trained. They study. It's a person trained to give guidance on personal, social, or psychological problems. But the wonderful counselor we're looking at here means that Jesus is able, able and willing, willing, just waiting for us to ask for it, the wisdom and direction we need, and it's incomprehensible to us. So in the times of the kings of Israel, David and other kings had counselors. And most often, wiser, older men who would give the king their advice and tell them what the king should do according to the wisdom. In other words, the kings would go to older counselors to get their advice because they were wise. They understood things. They understood the time and the, the times of, of the day that they lived in. But there was a time when the kingdom became divided because a new king had asked his advisors and counselors what he should do. Now listen, this is important. The older, wiser men told him one thing. He didn't like what they told him. So he went to his peers and asked their advice. They told him what he wanted to hear. And what happened? The kingdom of Israel became divided over the bad advice that the younger men gave. Now, that is not to say younger people always give bad advice at all. We can get wonderful advice from younger people. I'm an avid believer in reverse mentoring. The older mentor the younger, the younger mentor the older. I love getting with younger women that are part of our church. It, it injects me with life to hear their struggles and their challenges and I like to what can we do to help them in their walk with God we need that but it's but in this what they're talking about here was that king didn't like what he heard that's right that's good and I would have submit to you this morning you might not like what you hear from your pastor 
You might not like what you hear when you come in and take up an hour of a pastor's time and they give you advice and you don't like it and you walk out the door and maybe you're never even going to come back or you're going to go do what you want to do anyway or you're going to go ask somebody that might not even be serving the Lord, doesn't even know the Bible. You're going to go ask them, you like what they say, that's what you're going to do. Good luck with that. There is a reason that God gives people of wisdom. They have served the Lord for many years. They have something to, they have much to offer. Recently, we had an intentional women meeting. And we had in our stories, our unique redemption stories. And we had an older woman, I'm just going to say older, Marie Neveu, she's awesome. She shared her story. There were, girl, there were women weeping in that room. We need to hear the stories of the older people. We need to hear it. If you're older here today, you, we want to hear your stories. Younger people, that you have older people coming alongside you to love you and encourage you and mentor you, listen to them. They have your best interests at heart. And God has our best interests in heart. And I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for people that God put in my life it went many, many, many years ago. still does, but many years ago when I was younger, before I was married, he put people in my life that said, you stop running. My pastor said that to me. I had all these plans of things that I was going to do, and it looked like it was coming together. And my pastor said to me, you're not going anywhere. Stop running. And if I had not listened to him, this is true, I have many friends that can attest to this, if I did not listen to that word of caution, that's right, that's right. I would not be standing here today. And I have no idea where I would be, what country, what state, what shape, what state of mind, but I listened. Amen. Be careful who you seek your advice from. Amen. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Number two, he is a mighty God. Not just God, mighty God. El Shaddai, all-sufficient one. Lord God Almighty, strong, strong. He is a strong God, all-sufficient. Everything you need is found in God. The word used here in the word El is used only of Jehovah God. This one to come will be none other than God himself. God himself. Now, when we stop and think, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, baby born in a manger, Holy Spirit came when, when Jesus left us the Holy Spirit, right? And we're thinking of the three. Our minds can't fully get how that works, but in faith, we believe it. In faith, we believe it. God taking on humanity so he could save us and identify with us. God, almighty God, who spoke the world into existence, came in human form. He made that decision to come in human form to save us and identify with us. There is nothing that you go through that Jesus will not understand. Amen. Nothing. Maybe some people won't understand. We haven't been all through the same things in our lives, but God understands. Jesus understands. Philippians 2 tells us that Paul tells us that God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. 
Although he was God, now listen, he didn't think of his privileges as God, but emptied himself by becoming a man, taking on human flesh and being found as a servant. Mighty God came and was found as a servant. He didn't come with pomp and ceremony. He didn't come with all the bells and whistles. He came and put on human flesh like us, and he was found as a servant. We live in a day and age where people think they're all that. I am God's gift to the world. I am the coolest. I am the best at what I do. I am, I am, I am. Social media, listen, it's good for some things. I get it. But boy, people just love to puff themselves up and make them look like they have perfect lives. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. You see these perfect, perfect people and perfect pictures and perfect meals. First of all, I don't care what you ate last night, by the way. Perfect everything, right? It's not. None of us have perfect lives. But people think they're all that. God could have come and portrayed himself as all that. He could have. He could have. He chose to come in human form. He made that decision. Those people that crucified him, they were not for one second in control of what happened to Jesus. God was. He made that decision to come himself, living and moving and eating with sinners. If we want to know God, we need to look no further than Jesus. Look at him. He is God with us, mighty God, our great God and Savior. This Christmas time, please. He is your mighty God. He is your wonderful counselor. He's not just food and gifts and fun and shopping. He's wonderful counselor. He's the reason we're celebrating Christmas. Let's be different. Let's be different. Growing up, my mother would make a birthday cake on Christmas. I mean, we had pies, we had all these desserts, we had fudge, but then we had a birthday cake and she wrote on it, happy birthday, Jesus. Do that. I've heard of people doing that before. Happy birthday, Jesus. Let your kids be brought up. It's wonderful to open the gifts. But how about doing this? Let's read the Christmas story first. The gifts can wait a minute. We know the kids are, oh, they want the gifts. Okay, let's just read about Jesus. Five minutes and pray and thank him. Lord, thank you for all these gifts under the table. We're teaching our little Ezra to pray. When we bring his little food on his little bowl, Take his little hand. Now he's 10 months old. Since we started feeding him, literally, newborn, give him the bottle. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. You know, at the beginning, he would fuss a little bit. Now, he's 10 months old. He just sits there. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. And he'll look up. He hasn't closed his eyes yet, but he'll just kind of look up. And then, ada, points to the food. He knows it's food time. Train them up. Let them know Christmas is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. God is not some impersonal force. He is not distant or uninterested. 
He's concerned for you. He's concerned about you. And he's concerned for me at the same time. We run out of energy sometimes. We get tired. We give out. We give out. We give out. We get a little bit weak. God never gets weak. He's giving out all the time, 24-7. God knows no time. He is time. He is almighty God, and he's just always giving out to us. John 1.1 tells us that the word was God. Then in verse 14, that the word became flesh. That's Jesus. God isn't somewhere far off looking through a tell. I love binoculars. I have more than one set, and I like to sit on my deck and bird watch. I love to watch the bird. And you see a lot of birds that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have seen without binoculars, right? So I love binoculars, but God doesn't need binoculars. Oh, wait a minute. I hear somebody praying. Who is it? Oh, okay, that's Maureen. God doesn't say Pastor Maureen. He says Maureen. Maureen, my beloved. You guys say Pastor Maureen. God says... That's Maureen, my beloved. He doesn't need binoculars. He hears Pastor Maureen's voice. Oh, yes, I know who that is. The second. He doesn't have to go. It's not a guessing game. Right, so many game shows on it. You've got to guess the, this, got to guess that. You know, we pray, played the song, Guessing Game, at Christmas, and Kelly thought one of the songs was Sound of Music. If you were there, you know why that's funny. Sound of Music is not a Christmas song. But God's not trying to, wait a minute, I recognize that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, it's Richard. No, he hears your voice. And we want to learn to hear his voice, recognize his voice, and follow what he asks of us. Let's remember this season, he's the mighty God. The next name, Everlasting Father. He is the Everlasting Father. This name is saying that Jesus is the father of eternity. He's the one who ushers in eternal life. He was and is eternal himself. You want to get to God? You want to get to heaven? You got to go through Jesus. You got to go through the man who was sent here to die for us on a bloody cross, was suffering, was tortured for us. That's who you get through. No other way but Jesus no other way but Jesus. John 1 and Colossians 1 tell us he was before anything else ever was. He is the creator eternal and he will always be with us. He's the founder of eternal life for those who believe in him and those who give their lives to him. Honestly, the greatest joy that God has and the greatest joy that we have as pastors and leaders in this church is when someone that didn't know Christ comes to Christ. That makes our hearts happy. And it makes God's heart over the top happy for one person. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're here and you don't know God, and maybe you just come to church just because you come and it's a thing to do, give your life to Christ today. Be able to write in your Bible, I gave my life to Christ in the Christmas season of 2022. Give your, yourself as your gift to Jesus. If you're here, and maybe this is your first time here, you don't come to church much, maybe you're here and you've been here a few times, give your life to Christ. He will turn things around in your life. He will become your hope where you have felt hopeless. In ancient Rome, <clears throat> when a citizen had accomplished a brave and noble deed of infinite value and of willing self-denial. Soldiers 
would raise him up on their shields. Maidens would throw garlands around his feet. And the people would hail him in their songs as father of his country. But the everlasting father we're talking about, again, came in human form, was ridiculed, was made fun of, was beaten, was bruised, and was killed on a cross for us. And that's how we can say that Jesus, the father of eternity, is the one who opens the door, the very door of life to us. No one gets eternal life except by him. He is the father and source of eternal life. Number four, I love all the names. I really do the, the names that, that, are, that are spoken of in this scripture. But there's something about when I say prince of peace. Peace. Like we sing a song, peace, bring it all to peace. You know, you can meditate, you can do yoga, you can take a nap, you can do this and you can do that. You could take a walk and certain things maybe will help you to kind of just bring it all in. But when you open your eyes, the world is still the same as it was before you closed them, right? But when you're walking hand in hand, side by side, with the Prince of Peace, you change even before the stuff changes and you walk through it with your head held high. He is our Prince of Peace. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, when everything around me was anything but peaceful and I would take the time to get into the presence of the Lord, Maybe not feeling like it, maybe not wanting to, but making that effort to get into the presence of the Lord and sometimes not even have the words to pray. There's a song I sang many years ago when all I have to sing is a broken hallelujah. When all I have to sing is a broken hallelujah. When all you have to sing before you, when you become before God, when all you have to pray is just hallelujah. And it's broken from your tears. It's just hallelujah. God is setting up his presence in that broken hallelujah. And he is giving his peace. He is giving you his peace. What a beautiful name that is. And as we mentioned earlier, a name in the Bible would have to do with the character or nature of a person. And so the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father would be characterized by peace. He brought peace. The announcement of his birth in Luke, this is what they heard, peace on earth. Not that this peace would always be an outward peace with no more wars. Look, look at the world we're living in. But he would bring peace between God and man, between men and men, and peace in the midst of trials. You might be sitting here right now and be saying, Lisa, you might be able to say that for yourself, but you have no idea what I'm going through, and I can't get the peace of God. I submit to you, yes, you can. Amen. You can. 
We have to go to God again and again and again. In other words, we got to mean it. If we go into the presence of the Lord and we pray, he that, he that uh, uh, what's that scripture? Uh, with doubt. If you pray in doubt, it's like a sea, right? It's like a sea driven with the wind and tossed to and fro. If you go into God and say, well, God, I need peace, but, you know, my situation is different. And, you know, I look at everything around me and it's so hopeless. And, you know, I, I'm praying and I'm asking, but I know everything's hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world is that? You're on a sea driven with the wind and tossed. You need to go even a grain of faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You just go with the broken hallelujah of faith. And you say, God, this is way too big for me, but you're bigger. God, all I see is negative. All I see is brokenness. But you came to this earth to give me peace. You came to put this broken life together. You are my prince of peace. You are my prince of peace. Fill me with your peace. God is going to do that if we go to him in faith believing. The references in Micah 5 and Zechariah 9 show us that this child will be our peace, my peace. He shall speak peace to the nations. In Ephesians 2.17, we read about the peace that was preached in Christ. We have peace with God because sin is done away with. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would not have peace with God. We would be hopeless. We have peace with men because Christ brings all different people groups together in him. You look around this church, we are all different people groups. We live, we abide in the peace of God in this sanctuary and in our families together. We can have peace in this world because he is in control. He is in control. God has not thrown up his hands and walked off. He's still pursuing us. He's still pursuing those we're praying for. He's still trying to make the world to understand that he is our peace. The song we used to sing, he is our peace who has broken down every wall. Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace. During the next week or so, one week from today, Let's look to God for his peace. It's ours through Jesus. Just ask. Just ask. Isaiah 26 tells us he will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. And my husband and I, we talk about that scripture a lot in our house. We talk about that scripture a lot because that scripture is telling us, keep your mind on God and he will keep you in perfect peace. If you're saying, God, keep me in peace in Jesus' name, amen, and walk out and get all in a tizzy with everything that you see and all that you have to do and all the busyness, I haven't finished the shopping and I got company coming and all this stuff and I'm overwhelmed and I got to work and I don't have any time off and blah, blah, blah. You enter into all that, the peace is gone. Put your mind on God. It's not a magical thing. It's not a magical thing. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit supernatural that can come upon us, the peace of God. So I hope today in conclusion that during this next week, we see Jesus a little clearer for who he was prophesied to be and who he is today in our lives. Not just a religious time of year. It's not. But it's recognizing that the birth of Christ the Savior took place for me. 
The one who was to come is described as wonderful counselor. He's the one who tells us about God and about ourselves. How we are to live, he guides us, he directs us, he speaks wisdom to us. Remember that scripture in James chapter 5. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. It doesn't get any clearer than that. You need wisdom, ask of God. He will give it, and he will give it in abundance. He's called mighty God, God in the flesh, God with us. Matthew 19 said, Jesus said, with man, all things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He is called Everlasting Father as he opens up the way to eternal life. He is the head, the source, and the father of eternal life. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, For us there is one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus. And lastly, the Prince of Peace, the one who brings peace with God, men, and inner peace for us who know him. See, the world can look at you and not understand how can you have so much peace. But if we're Christians and they don't look at us and ask that question, that's a problem. I want people to see peace in me. We're human. We get upset. We get taken up by things. I'm not saying that we can be perfect as Christians, that things never bother us. We live in a fallen, broken world where things don't always go the way we want them to. But in the moment that we become human and, 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 and show our real self, we can still say, Lord, I need your peace right now. I need your peace. This is not how I want to live reacting. I want to live in peace. Colossians 1 says, all the fullness of God dwelt in him, and peace was made by the blood of the cross. If you're watching online, and you don't know him as your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace, we want you to know him as those titles today. Knowing God makes all the difference when we battle and struggle with life's challenges and heartaches, and that's the crux of the matter right there. Knowing God makes all the difference when we battle and struggle with life's challenges and heartaches. Um, Des, if you and the team could come up and just prepare that, that new song about God being awesome. I love that song. There's a song that I used to sing with the Zion Collegians when I was in Bible college. <clears throat> and I remember the day that our leader asked me to sing this song. And it was a little out of my range but I said, yes, I'll sing it. And I remember the first time I sang it, it broke me. And these are the words. Just the time I feel that I've been caught in the mire of self. Just the time I feel my mind's been bought by worldly wealth. That's when the breeze begins to blow. I know the Spirit's call. And all my worldly wanderings just melt into his love. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. To feel your heart and know your mind. Then the next verse says, When my daily deeds ordinarily lose life and song, my heart begins to bleed. Sensitivity to him is gone. I've run the race but set my own pace and face a shattered soul. 
But now the gentle arms of Jesus warm my hunger to be whole. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you, to feel your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. Are you looking at everything today around you or are you looking into the eyes of Jesus? I want to end this service. Let's stand. And I'm going to ask of you to do something. I want to ask that you would come forward, that we as a church can come forward and look into his eyes and take our eyes off everything we're seeing. You could come forward now. Take our eyes off everything we're seeing, everything we have to go do, everything we're struggling with. I know there are people in this congregation today that are broken, that are struggling, that are suffering. You are asking God, when are you going to answer? When are you going to answer? But I want to just tell you, let's continue to look into his eyes. Look into his eyes this morning. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting father. He is our prince of peace. God, we look to you this morning and we ask that our mindsets right now would be completely turned around in how we are approaching Christmas during these next few days, God. Change our hearts, God, as we look into your eyes, God. We need to look into your eyes and say, oh, I want to know you more. I want to know you as my wonderful counselor. I want to know you as my mighty God. I want to know you as my everlasting father. I want to know you even in my mess right now as my prince of peace. I want to know you. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I want to know you. I don't know how long before you answer, but I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God. I want to look into your eyes, Jesus. I want to see the hope that you have. I want to see the peace that you have. I want to see the counsel that you have, the wisdom that you have for me, God. For me, I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God. When everything I do is lost any life, lost happiness, lost peace, lost a song, I look to you, God. I look to you. You are a miracle working God. You are an awesome God. You are selfless. When I am so selfish, you are selfless. You are generous. You are faithful. You are awesome. God, supernaturally touch our minds right now. I pray for the Holy Spirit to touch every mind in this place right now. To touch every mind watching right now. Holy Spirit, go to those homes. Holy Spirit, touch those young men, those young women, those older men, older women, children, even babies in the room hearing the word of God. Fill those homes with peace. 
fill our minds with peace. Oh God, we say to you, oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Deep within my heart, I want to know you, God. Nothing else matters. Oh God, we put our eyes on you this morning. We put our eyes on you. We look into your eyes. We run into your presence. We bow our hearts before the great and mighty and supernatural, all-knowing, forgiving, gracious, faithful, loving God. Because you're standing with your arms open wide for us, God. You are ready to give what is needed. We're asking for healing, Lord. We are praying for brothers and sisters in this church for healing, healing, healing for the glory of your name, for the glory of your name, for the glory of your name, God. You do it, God. We are praying for those in this congregation struggling emotionally, struggling mentally, struggling with depression. You are the Prince of Peace. We pray for our brothers and sisters in this place, in their homes. Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, mighty God. Free them from the clutch of depression. Free their minds, free their emotions, God. Oh, Jesus, Lord, it's you, it's you, it's you. Wonderful counselor. God, those that are here that need answers, they have to make decisions, life-changing decisions. Give your counsel, give your wisdom. Open doors and close doors. Oh God, open those that you want them to go through and slam shut those that you don't, God. We lift our brothers and sisters to you. Give your wisdom, give your counsel. Speak to them, God. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are disappointed, that are broken, that are disillusioned, that may be ready to just give up. Give up on you. Give up on God. Just walk away and forget it all. Lord, we pray supernaturally right now. You would touch their hearts, God. Lift their hearts, God. Lift their hearts, God. Go into the homes right now and lift the hearts of those that are discouraged, those that are battling depression. We speak freedom over their minds. Free their minds by the blood of Jesus. Peace of God, the peace of Christ flooding their minds, Lord. Oh God, we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Oh God, you are good. You are good. You are always good. Oh Jesus. Jesus. God, Jesus, we pray against the spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. We pray against and bind the spirit, the demonic spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus right now right now the spirit of suicide is broken in the name of jesus you are a holy god 
We speak life. We speak life. We speak hope. Oh, yes, we do. Hope, life, peace, oh God. Hope and life and peace, God. And God, we pray for our loved ones. We pray for our mothers. We pray for our fathers. We pray for our sisters and our brothers. We pray for our sons and daughters. We pray for our foster children. We pray for our grandsons and granddaughters. We pray for our nieces. We pray for our nephews. We pray for them, God. And we speak life over them right now in Jesus' name. They will love you. They will serve you. Their lives will be filled with the hope of Jesus Christ. Where the world has offered nothing but pain and disappointment, they would come to you and experience hope and peace. In the name of Jesus, Father, your spirit would abide over our tables Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, where we have so many delicious foods. We pray your spirit to just hover over us, over our homes, people coming, people going, people walking in our home and feeling the peace of, nothing less than the peace of Christ, nothing less than the peace of Christ in our homes, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will be with us this week as you always are, filling us in Jesus' name. Just take another minute, just press into the Lord as we do this song, and then as you feel to go, you may do so, and we love you guys, amen.